you have a when someone is vulnerable and they share and they share at a deep enough level, you you get this almost collective sense of awe that that something outside of the world has come in. They don't know what it is, but it gives them a taste. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started, a revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling. Kindling Fire, I have the privilege of having Dr. Matt Rollins on the show. Thanks for joining. Oh, it's a privilege. Thanks, Scott. And uh, Matt uh, and I are uh, on the opposite si- uh, sides of the world. So we, I think, are officially 12 hours apart. And Matt, where are you located? I'm sitting in Singapore right now. The day's starting. It's a little after. It's just morning time. So, yeah, it's... Uh... It's a new day, <laughs> and uh, I'm so glad you you made the time this early to to have uh, to come on the show. Uh, thanks. It's a privilege to uh, hang out with you. So, um, Matt, uh, Doctor Matt, actually, Doctor Matt Rollins is uh, has a PhD in leadership development and has a long history, actually, with youth with the mission. And I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of that. Right now, he is the president of Green Bench Consulting. Uh, they do executive coaching, they do organizational development, and uh, and they focus a lot around commu- on helping people communicate. Uh, what in the corporate world they would call uh, having crucial conversations, which is when you have to have very honest conversations when there's tension. Have you learned or, or have you kind of noticed there is an art to this approach to having honest conversations? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, in, in my own struggle, because I, I didn't study this because I was good at it. I started because I wasn't good at it. Where, you know, 80% of us hide. I mean, research is pretty clear. 80% of us hide. 20% of us kind of lean into it and and want to become, uh, for lack of a better word, aggressive or, you know, strong in the process. And uh, maybe a story um, would help. So I, I, I've been in Wyoming for 10 years. I'd gone back to the U.S. I was living in Oregon, and I was going for a run. We were living by, doing some work with Wyoming there in Salem, Oregon. And I was going for a run, and I was running down the road, and... Uh, I, there was a couple walking up the road, and I knew them, and I thought, oh, dang, I don't want to stop and talk to them because it ruin a run. So I just nonchalantly started to turn the run around the other way. And uh, at that moment, um, I had just this divine sense of clarity. And the, the divine sense was I wasn't, running, I wasn't running from them. I was actually running from myself. And that, that was a huge mind shift for me because I'd always seen the problem with tension was outside of myself. That, you know, it's a little bit like Cain killing his brother. He was making me feel this way. So, and in in a fallen view, if I destroy him, then the tension will go away. What I began to realize was the problem wasn't outside of me. The problem was inside me. The problem was not tension. The problem was I wasn't willing to deal with myself or what tension was revealing about me. So that started me on a journey. I mean, 
counseling, um, and, and really a, a sense of conversation with myself in regards to what was I feeling and what was going on because I had some painful experiences as a young boy that I had to kind of work through. And, uh, uh, and, and that's been a part of my process. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's really beginning a conversation with myself about, well, I mean, the first question God asked Adam was, where are you? And that is a fundamental question um, that Adam didn't want to answer and that we don't want to answer. I mean, part of brokenness is I don't want to answer the question to give a honest, real account of where I am right now, emotionally, physically, spiritually, cognitively. Um, and, and so that's, that's what each one of us is confronted with. And I was and am confronted with it. Yeah, so, um, and thought, okay, I'm going to have to grow up. Yeah, so I so to flesh that out a little bit more. So Good. in that story with running, when you yeah. when the Lord reveals to you, you're not actually running from them. You're actually running from yourself. What is it yeah. in yourself that you you are quote avoiding or running from? Well, yeah, I, I was running from the what was going on deeper inside of me. I was running from the honest. When I was about eight years old, I was abused in a relationship by an older girl um, that lived next door to us. And, and that caused a deep kind of cesspool of shame in my life. And um, I, I, I remember once I tried to talk to some friends about it in high school and they laughed at me. And uh, so I thought, okay, I, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. And part of my own growth was saying, okay, I need to acknowledge and talk about this. The, the tagline in my company is, if you can't talk about it, you can't change it. And, uh, I, I, you know, life and death truly is in the power of the tongue. And, and talking about it with myself was going back and going, okay, um, I'm ashamed. And, and, and talking about it and owning it and owning the feelings of inferiority and owning the feelings of shame. But, um, and, and then working through those and, and facing that and my own brokenness and, and, trying to say, okay, how do I do this, God? How do I do this while loving you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's really where communication starts because we think of communication as something that I do, but it, it's not. Communication is the expression of who I am, and if I can't talk about things with myself, then I can't communicate about them. And that's part of why... Communication can't be separated from who a person is. The reason we struggle with, the reason I struggle with communi communicating about difficult things is because I haven't settled in my own self. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be an image bearer? What does it mean to be broken? What does it mean to walk into this? I mean, there is this, this, you lived in the, quote, religious world of missions. Now you are, yeah. quote, in the non-religious world of business and government. Yeah. Uh, but those are really false constructs. Yeah. And you're, yeah. and not a lot of people have bridged those, not a lot of people have walked across those bridges to be able to say, yeah, yeah I see God here, and I see the yeah. need for more effective communication here. And you're yeah. like one of those guys that have been able to see from that perspective. So I guess that's what I'm trying to ask, having yeah. crossed the bridge of, I once was in missions and ministry. Now I'm in 
you know, what it would yeah. be considered secular, are you finding yeah. God? Is God yeah. there? Maybe I'll just ask that well, question. Yeah. They, uh, um, we never take God anyplace. That's, that's a little bit arrogant on my side to think that I take God into the marketplace or I take God into governments. Um, he's already there. Uh, it took me years to kind of unpack my early days in the church and this whole breakdown of secular and sacred and this whole idea that, that if you really want to love God, you've got to love him spiritually in the church because to go in the marketplace. And what I've realized in these last 15 years is uh, I go in and I, I, I lead learning groups and, and I facilitate classes and facilitate conversations. And I have to say, I've had heart-to-heart -heart conversations with people um, at a heart level who are not Christians, but, but I believe they're, they're moving step, a step into the kingdom of God by having a heart-to-heart -heart where they're facing their fears, where we're creating conversations where, for lack of a better word, you know, we're, we're, we're learning what it means to be human. And, and I use the word, even with them, I'll use the word sacred space. And I don't mean that in a religious sense. Strictly speaking, because I'm using it in the marketplace, I use it as, because what they do is when they touch vulnerability, when they, when they share, I just had the conversation this last week with a group, and when, you have a, when someone is vulnerable and they share, and they share at a deep enough level, you, you get this almost collective, <gasps> sense of awe that, that something outside of the world has come in. They don't know what it is, but it gives them a taste of, of something other than the, the busyness of life. And those are the moments that I thoroughly, thoroughly love because that's where, you know, the kingdom comes in. We don't talk about faith, but my, my goal is not to talk about faith. I want to make them hungry for faith. And I think that's what Jesus often did was he, he engaged people with where they were and then he made them hungry for faith and then said, you know, okay, you've got some choices to make, so now make some choices and move forward. You know, you've been living with this guy for five years. Stop it. You're, you're thirsty. What are you really thirsting for? You need to be born again. Come down out of the tree. Let him go without sin throw the first stone. You know, Jesus is engaging people and saying there's something more. And I, I had no idea that I could have such wonderful uh, conversations with people in the marketplace um, and, and working with them and giving them a taste for something that is supernatural, that is God. Uh, they just may not know it yet, but boy, do they get a taste of it, and they like it a lot. <laughs> so that, that's a great, that is a great um, example I, I used to uh, I used to run organizations where I had Hindus and Muslims, um, yeah. devout Hindus, devout Muslims that reported to me. And as their leader, you know, we would do one on ones. We talk about how they yeah. want to make more money and you yeah. know how, where their career is going. And and over time, like I became one of their trusted confidants about all yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and, and it was pretty clear that I was genuinely open-handed with them. Like I wasn't, you know, yeah. trying to keep them down. You know, anyway, yeah. I, well, I want to believe that I was bringing a kingdom of God perspective on how I was running my organization. And people felt yeah. it, it was different. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, you know, sometimes I, I, I get frustrated with, you know, because we— you, People who haven't wrestled through the heart language often think they have to bring religious language into the marketplace. And that's the last, 
thing you need to be able to do. Um, but if you come in authentically and if you're fully present and you engage people at a heart level and you talk with them, um, they're drawn to that. Um, and and it, it's, it is an appeal uh, at, you know, at the deepest level. So I agree with you. I think the kingdom of God being salt is, is learning to be in those situations, honest, vulnerable, and real, fully present with these people who are used to being manipulated, lied to, and, and um, you know, taken advantage of. So that's, that's huge. Yeah, I love that because, I mean, that's – I mean, you're really putting like uh, what I would call shoe leather on um, salt and light. You know, you hear it in church, be salt and light. And people kind of think, yeah, I need to go down to the homeless shelter and serve food. They're like, okay, yeah, that's that's one way. Or you could not lie at work because everybody lies at work. (laughs) Oh, I didn't think about that. Well, or you could... You know, do what some of the people that have um, have power. Yeah. When you amass power, um, yeah. what do you do with it? Is it any yeah. different than the world when they amass power? And I'm thinking of two examples. One is Rich Mullins when he yeah. uh, acquired so much wealth and said, you know what? I don't want to know what I want to, I'm making income-wise, off my music about God, I want a specific income, and I want you to give the rest of it away. Now, the world says, what? You are a fool. What are you doing? At least you'll have the choice to give what you... And so he did that. It's salt and light. People go, whoa, that's different. What's that about? That's salt and light. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, 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 my whole emphasis and desire is to try to be, help, help people be fully present in the midst of tension. And it sounds simple, but that's, that's a lot of work. And, and the, the terrifying vulnerability of showing up that, um, that confronts us, that if I show up, they reject me and be the most painful thing in my life. And, and it's that place where faith comes alive. It's that place that says, I will meet you, and you have the ability to to hurt me, but I will meet you in this place and invite you into the sacred space. And uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Now let me ask you this: in that setting, a lot of times people get confronted with their view of how people are, right? Yeah. And, and there's a biblical view of how people are, and yeah. then there's a uh, non-biblical view, right? And so a lot of times yeah. people don't will are not unwilling to go into difficult conversations, tenseful conversations, because their mindset about the other person on the other end is, well, this is what's going to happen when I do this. Yeah, do, yeah. do you re-educate yeah. people to look at people differently or from a biblical perspective, or how does that work? Yeah, well, you know, the... I mean, part of the work, the reason why, uh, you know, it's got multiple answers, as most things do, but, but a couple of simple answers are, if we go in with an agenda, uh, a hidden agenda, and uh, this is going to sound funny, so you've got to take this right, but if we go in and with an agenda to get somebody saved, um, they, they, they feel it and react to us, because what, they're, what we're saying is, I'm, I'm willing to have this conversation with you on the basis that you respond to the truth the way I want you to respond to it. 
And it's not that you don't want people to get saved and discover God. It's just that you lay aside the agenda with, you know, which is kind of our modern day evangelical, where we kind of count scouts versus engaging people and going, I will meet you where you are and I will help you understand what you're struggling with and I will help you be aware of what the choices are, but they are your choices and I want to protect your ability to have those choices. So part of it, part of the work that I had to do and why it was so important for me is I'm going to invite people into a safe space. And then uh, one of the things I have to do is I have to make myself safe. In other words, A, I have to feel like I'm safe and that's, I, I got to do that work. And then I've got to make it safe for you that you could show up and you can show up in any way you want and I will engage you in that way. And as I start to do that, um, people, I think many times people want to have the honest conversation, but they don't, they're not convinced you can be trusted. And I think their intuition says you can't be trusted and I think they're probably true because a part of them says, if, if I told you what I'm really thinking or feeling, it would blow you away. And for, unfortunately, if our faith is simple, um, or we've got this locked-in agenda, it would, because then we'd go to problem-solving it. Why? Because we haven't resolved the pain. But if you're not afraid of people's pain, A, if I'm not afraid of my pain, therefore I'm not afraid of your pain, if I'm, because I know the comfort of God. If I, and, and, you know, if I can do that, then I can sit with you and I can just be present with you in the midst of it. And I can give you a chance to put your fears, your terrors on the table. And as you'll do that, then I can say, now you've got some choices. What are your choices? And walk with you through that. I think people deeply, deeply appreciate that. Yeah. Well, as we kind of close off the show, is there anything that you would want to leave with the listeners that you've learned in in your years of of helping people have those conversations that maybe you haven't yet shared or or something they could implement today or, you know, doing it? Well, I mean, I... I put together a daily blog. They're welcome to kind of access that, um, where I just kind of share my own thoughts and wrestlings with the nature and character of God. I, you know, I started the Broken Top Leadership Institute, um, but the but it, so I, it's not simple. You know, and I don't want to even pretend that people's lives are simple um, in the one sense. So there's there's a lot of work that has to go into the process. And I again, I thank you for the time here. But I think that. The beginning step is have a conversation with yourself, name the feelings, own, answer the question, where am I, what am I afraid of? Um, and, then, and then have a conversation with God about it. This is, God, this is what I'm afraid of. This is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling alone. Um, and and I, I feel like if you got to know me, you would cut me off. And, and begin to include God in that conversation. And then try to find ways to include key people in that conversation and, and begin to develop a, a, a deeper capacity for conversations. And if you can do that, then you're moving in the right direction. But if you don't want to do that, um, then you're moving in the wrong direction. Because you, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a simplistic path. It's a simple path in regards to just go this way, but it's, it requires a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if people want to follow up and hear a little bit more about what you have to offer through through what you're doing, uh, where should they go? Well, they can, um, they can go to MatthewRollins.org. They can go to BrokenTopLeadership.com. They can see the devotions that I put out um, to get them thinking about stuff, get them engaged. And again, what I want to do is just create conversations with people through the process. So the, I, I mean, the devotions really have 
I've been doing them now for two or three years, and they really have stirred my heart. And it's a way to just kind of get people who are thinking and not willing just to live a simple life, but want to live a deeper, richer life in God. And as you would say, kindle the fire into a, into a flame. Yeah, um, amen. How do we do that? And that's, the, you know, that's kind of the process that um, we're all in as we go through this. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for uh, for coming on the show and just kind of sharing a little bit of your story and and what how God is motivating you. I uh, I really believe it's really going to help people. And uh, definitely the salt and light. I mean, you are being salt and light. You're an example of it. And and we need to expand our definitions of that in every yeah. way. So thank you for being an example. Uh, you're welcome. And thanks for having me on the, with have a conversation with you and and, uh, it's been a pleasure hey thanks for listening to the podcast if you want more information on the kindling fire go to our website thekindlingfire.com there you can learn how you can join the fire starters that is a community that i'm sending free e-courses bible devotionals we're doing special challenges to really help you guys move towards the dreams that god has placed in you i'm also on instagram at the kindling fire and as always Be awesome.